All right, what's up, guys? It's, it's, a, it's an honor for me to be here with you all. Uh, I've been hearing a lot of, a lot of great things uh, that God has been doing here at KU. And so, yeah, I'm really excited to be here with you guys, uh, worship with you all. Um, yeah, and I just want to echo what uh, uh, Eunice said. Uh, just feel free to laugh, you know, if, uh, you know, if anything's funny. Uh, so you just make me feel better. Give me a little encouragement. <laughs> but um, if it's not funny, you don't have to laugh. But, I, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to be here. Uh, you know, I, I love seeing young people on fire for Jesus. Uh, you know, I did campus ministry uh, for three years after I graduated college. My life was transformed in college. Uh, and my parents have been sewing in prayers for years. And, uh, you know, I was just like punk kid. You know, like living in the darkness, and then God just dramatically turned my life around. And uh, after I graduated, I was like praying in my senior year. I was like, God, what should I do with my life? Seeking His will. And there was nothing else I wanted to do besides ministry. And I loved doing college ministry. I just loved it. Um, just the transformation, this change that you see, right? Just the teachable hearts. Uh, and it's amazing. You know, it's amazing that things that can happen and just. A few years or a few months, uh, and so I love I love college ministry, and um, yeah, I remember when I was in college, right? So I turned about like my sophomore year uh, back to the Lord. Uh, I grew up in church, but I had backslidden. So I don't even know if I was a Christian, but you know, I, I kind of stopped going to church for a while, and then God did some things, uh, some crazy things in my life where He really just like shook me. Like, I got so scared, and I was filled with the fear of God. And I was like, if I don't live for God, he's going to destroy me, you know? So I was I, I turned away from all the, you know, the lifestyle I was living. And I was trying to live for the Lord, but there was no power. I was trying to read my Bible, but it would just put me to sleep, right? I would try to pray. I would go to prayer meetings, and then after 10 seconds, I would have nothing else to pray, you know? I'd be like, man, what are these people praying about? You know, I'd be done praying, and I was trying, but there was no power in it. And I remember um, uh, it was my junior year where uh, the Holy Spirit really came upon me uh, in power. Uh, and I didn't have categories for it at the time, but uh, it was the fire of God that fell. And my hunger for God was just so deep. And all I wanted was to be with the Lord and worship Him and to know more and to serve Him. And, yeah, just life-changing um, time for me. Uh, amazing time, um, yeah. And you know that was uh, that was that was a little over ten years ago, or about ten years ago. So I'm, I'm pretty old, you know. I can't believe uh, it's been ten years since that's happened. But um, yeah, you know, I'm really excited. I love seeing you guys, uh, people on fire for Jesus, young people, right? It's it's, it's awesome to see, and I praise God. Uh, even what He's doing here at KU, uh, it's only been a semester, right? You guys have been meeting, but it's amazing, and the, the stories I'm hearing, the testimonies. Right, and you know, I was just reminded, like the kingdom of God starts like a mustard seed, but it just grows and it keeps growing, right, and it spreads throughout. And so, um, really encouraged by you guys, and uh, yeah, just thank you for having me once again. Um, yeah, so you know, there's different kinds of messages. Okay, uh, this message, I'm I'm not sure exactly how it's going to turn. We'll see how it goes. Uh, but my 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 desire for you guys uh, when I see you guys, right? So I was on fire. In college, and I'm still on fire, right? I'm still very zealous, okay. Uh, but 
um, I, I, you know, I, th- I praise the Lord. I thank the Lord that, uh, that with that zeal has come a lot of uh, wisdom and a lot of humility, right? The great thing about young people is you guys have a lot of zeal, right? You guys are on fire for a lot of passion, okay? So what you guys lack in wisdom or maturity, you guys have zeal, and that's awesome, right? Well, old people like me, right? I, I'm, I'm 29, okay, so I'm not that old. Uh, I'm not saying I'm wise or something like that, but I'm, I'm just saying, right? I'm just saying, you know, uh, you, you want to grow in maturity and wisdom as well. So as I was praying, uh, thinking about what to, uh, what to speak about tonight, I thought, uh, yeah, we'll talk a little bit about uh, maturity, a little bit about uh, character, uh, and it's specifically one aspect of character. Um, you know, character growth in the Christian life is not, doesn't happen overnight, right? Like the fire can come in a moment, okay? just like it did for me, like it did for many of you, and that passion comes. But the character change and the growth, it doesn't happen overnight. It's, it's more like baking in the oven rather than microwaving, right? You can't just zap character. Lord, make me really loving and patient. Like, it's, it's going to take years. You know, it's a slow process, that kind of character growth that changes. The passion's there, but God really needs to take his time uh, with, that, with, with all those, the, those deeper uh, maturity stuff. And that's what, that's what needed, uh, he needed to do for me. Okay, so I was so on fire. I was zealous. But uh, my character was very poor when I was in college. So I had, you know, this is basically the life I was living, right? I wasn't going to classes. Okay, I was cutting all my classes. I was partying. I was just always out, right? I failed a class my freshman year because I missed the final exam, which was at 9 o'clock in the morning because I stayed out till 7 a.m., right? Still me partying and getting, getting high and all that stuff. And I thought I would wake up, and then I missed it. I emailed my professor, and she gave me a second chance. But I did the same thing. I stayed out again, right? So how dumb you got to be to do the same thing twice? So I failed the class. You know, so think, you know, what does I say about my character? My character was very poor, okay? Uh, just in all areas, not only in diligence, discipline, focus, but also relationally. Right? I was very uh, rough around the edges, right? You know, I don't seem like that now, but I was very rough. I heard a lot of girls. I would make girls cry. But like, why are they so sensitive, man? I'm just, I'm just being myself, right? You know? And then, you know, just over time, especially through marriage, right? God, God just sanded me down so much. Just the character and the maturity and, and the humility. And that took time. You know, it's like the Israelites in the wilderness, right? They were there for 40 years uh, in the wilderness. And... God says, I brought you. You shall remember these 40 years that I led you through the wilderness. Why? That I might humble you. That I might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Through your experiences in the wilderness, through time, God humbles you and develops that that deeper character maturity. Okay, so... You know, um, I just wanted to share a little bit about that today because, you know, when I was in college, I was on fire. So I thought I was like spiritually invincible. You know, I, I thought I was like Superman, right? I thought I was going to save the world. I had all these, you know, just uh, really big dreams. I'm going to save the world. I'm like Korean Jesus, you know, like anybody who comes in contact with me, you know, I'm just going to like preach and, you know, and I had all these 
huge dreams. And God was just like, yo, slow down there, buddy. You know, you got a lot, you got a lot of work to do, right, in your life. Uh, before you go anywhere close to there. And God taught me a lot of uh, humility, a lot of humbling, uh, and, um, you know, things that I need to know. And I only learned uh, through the years. And so uh, the aspect of maturity character that I want to focus on today is, if you can guess, humility. Talk about humility. The opposite would be pride. I want to look at what that means, uh, what that looks like, and how to grow in that. So um, let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. If you guys have your Bibles. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 through 7. All right, here now the reading of God's word. This is how one should regard us, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that it should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. For I'm not aware of anything against myself, but I'm not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time. Before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. I have applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? This is the word of the Lord. Right. So the church in Corinth had a little problem with pride. Okay, actually they had a really big problem. Right? Everybody in that church, if you, if you read uh, the New Testament, like the most messed up church is the church of Corinth. Okay? They're actually very gifted. They have a lot of spiritual gifts. So that's why you see Paul talking the most about spiritual gifts in his letters to Corinth. People speaking in tongues, right? prophesying, healings, all these things. But what they're doing is they're comparing with one another. I speak in tongues more than you. I have the gift of prophecy or I have this and that. And, there, and there's a lot of comparing, a lot of boasting. Okay? And they're getting puffed up. They're feeling really good about themselves, right? way above where they should be. Okay? And there's a lot of divisions, right? You know, so Apostle Paul planted the church, okay? But then after he planted, he left, right? And in the coming years, different people came, Apollos, Peter, you know, different people came in and out, and they would uh, have, like, particular disciples that they were closer to, right? So what happened was it's causing divisions in this church because they're comparing with one another. They're having conflicts. They're like, well, I'm Paul's disciple, Right? So, you know, like, I'm the one who has the most authority. And then someone's like, who cares about that? I'm the disciple of Peter. Right? And they're like just comparing, oh, I got Apollos. You know, they're like feeling good about themselves because who they're associated with. with. You know what I'm saying? And, um, you know, one of the things that's a danger uh, for, uh, for us as Christians is uh, to take pride in who we're associated with. It could be even things like, hey, I... 
I go to New Philly, right? Your church over there, I, I don't know who you got. I don't know how you guys worship, but, you know, we're in New Philly. You know what I mean? Like, you start to feel good because you, you boast in your heart, right? You're, you're, you're boasting yourself over against another. And so there's a lot of danger, right? Especially, it's good to be fiery. It's good to be zealous. But there's a, there's a humility that needs to come with that, all right? And, and that humility will make your zeal and fire so much more blessing uh, to other people, to the rest of the body of Christ. Because one thing you know about proud people is they're not very easy to get along with. Right? People who are really proud, you can just, you can just smell it. Right? You, you like get close to them. Right? You, you talk to them. You just sniff out their just are so full of themselves. You know what I mean? Because they're so outwardly boastful, telling you about all their accomplishments. They're like putting their resume before you sometimes. You know, it's like, man, you know, this is, and, you know, they cause conflicts. The proudest people cause the most conflicts, right? Because they think so highly of themselves. But others, they have pride, but they hide it really well. They mask it, and it, and it looks different. So it's harder to see what that looks like, right? But, but Paul, in this letter, and especially this passage, he's going he's gonna to do a little, uh, yeah, exposing of the hard motives that underlies pride in our relationships, right? And how we interact. You know, Jesus told us, right, in the, in the parable of the wedding banquet or something like that, right, in Luke 14. So basically all the Pharisees are like trying to sit at the highest seats. And then Jesus sees that and he's like, you know, when you go to a banquet, take the lowest seat, right? Because if you take the highest seat and the host comes to you and says, hey, you know, there's someone here more important, you got to move down. Then you're going to be ashamed, right? You're going to lose your dignity. But he says, take the lowest seat, okay? And then the host will come to you and say, friend, move up higher, right? So start with humility. Jesus says, whoever humbles himself will be exalted, but whoever exalts himself will be humbled. If you think too highly of yourself, that time's going to come when it's like, just, just back up, you know, just lower yourself. But, you know, start low, right? Even for me, this is, you know, this is a message that I've been, um, this is a topic that I've been personally wrestling with and growing with uh, in this season of my life. Actually, many seasons, but especially even this season, okay? And, um, you know, even coming to New Philly, right? So I came from outside, okay? And, you know, I'm coming here as like a campus pastor, right? And, you know, should I come in and be like, hey, I'm the campus pastor. You know, give me what I'm due, right? You know, respect me. You know, do you know who I am? No, no, no. I want to come in like that, right? Somebody's going to be like, man, you know, who is this guy? And, you know, might be put in my place, right? But, you know, even no matter, no matter what the content, you come in, you take the lowest seat, and you, and you just wait until God calls you higher. Because he's, when you, wait, when you humble yourself, he will exalt you at the right time. If you're faithful in the hidden place, the humble place, the quiet place, God honors that. God sees that. And you move along with his timing instead of having to put yourself into the higher places, the higher positions. Right? That's God's way of doing it. That's the way he always, he's always done it with me right? throughout my life. Okay? And so that's, you know, God wants us to have zeal yet have that humility as well. And then he will call us up. So, um, all right. So, so what we're looking at here, we look, we're going back right, to Church of Corinth. A lot of, lot of divisions, a lot of comparing, a lot of boasting. And the root of that 
is pride. And how do you, how do you deal with this pride? Okay, when I grew up, I grew up in the States, I grew up in New Jersey, and in all the classes, they would always talk about self-esteem, right? We would have, like, guest speakers come in, talking about self-esteem. You know, you just got to feel better about yourself, right? Don't worry about what other people say. Just feel confident about yourself. Don't worry, right? And I, I don't know about you guys, because we're like, we have a little gap, okay? But I did youth group for a few years, and I realized uh, the conversation is changing a little bit, right, what they teach in schools, but it's still pretty similar, you know, now they have laws in the states. It's called HIB. I don't even know what that stands for, right? But the B stands for bullying. And, you know, even if you tease somebody, you can get, like, suspended from school. You know, even, like, the littlest things that everybody has to grow up with going to school. But, you know, it's all about, like, you know, your self-esteem and, and what you're worth. And so how do you, how do you deal with, uh, you know, pride? It's like just feel better about you. You, you, you encourage people. Right? If people have issues, you just tell them, hey, you know, you, you're, you're like a snowflake. You know, there's no snowflake is a, like every snowflake's unique. Right. And, you know, that, that's, that's true. OK, that's good. OK, but, um, you know, does the Bible talk about self? How does the Bible talk about what? How does Paul uh, deal with pride uh, in this in this passage? And so we're, we're going to look at that. All right. So first we see what is. What does the person, the human's pride look like? See this word that Paul uses here, right? Uh, for pride in verse 3. He says, but with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. And then uh, moving down, right, in verse 6, right? Towards the end of verse 6, it says, uh, I'm writing things to, these things to you towards the end that none of you may be puffed up. In favor of one against another. So that word, they're puffed up. What Paul's talking about. Paul uses that six times in Corinthians. But in the rest of the Bible, you see it only once. And that was with Paul. Okay, So it's a special theme for this church. The church of Corinth. And that word puffed up, it's not, it's not the usual word for pride. It's not the Greek word hubris that we think of, right? But this word... Uh, it, it, it means something like, it's like something, a, a part that has overinflated, become too big for what it really should be. It's gotten too big, and so it's out of proportion. It's, it's out of whack, okay, and there's something wrong with it, right? So that's the word. It becomes, you can imagine, right, puffed up. Think of an organ, right? They're all supposed to be a certain size, know, know what it is, know its place. But if it gets a little too big, then it's going gonna, it's gonna to cause some problems, right? You might... Like, need some checkups, need some surgeries. You got to go fix that thing. And Paul's saying here, this is what your pride has become. You guys are so puffed up, so much bigger. So you, you think you're so much more than what you actually are. You see, humility is knowing exactly what you are and resting in that. But naturally, what each of us wants to do is we want to become more than we are. We're not satisfied with our place just the way God made us, but we want to be so much more than we are. And you know what happens? That hurts. It causes a lot of pain. Think about it, right? You know, you don't, you don't usually think about any body part unless you feel pain, right? You know, like, you know, I don't, I don't come in here and I'm saying, you know, my elbow, 
man, my elbow was just so great, right? Just look at how it so smoothly just bends and goes back, you know, and man, you know, my neck, right? Just the way it supports my head, you know, and the way it helps me turn to the left and the right. And, you know, you don't, you don't think about your body parts unless it starts to hurt. It's like, oh, oh, my neck. Oh, I, I must have slept wrong. And you think about it all day, right? Oh, my elbow. I, I got this pain, right? See, you're not conscious of your body members un, unless it's in pain. But think about this. How often do we think about ourselves Right? Our pride. If people hurt us, we're thinking about it all day long. I can't believe she said that. You're like replaying the videotape over and over again. You know, I can't believe he snubbed me like that. I can't believe he's treating me like that. You like lay in bed at night thinking about this stuff. Why? If you were humble, you wouldn't be thinking about it. But it's because you're so proud. Because you extend yourself so much bigger than what you are. And so you're getting hurt. And you're experiencing this pain. And this is what Paul's saying. He's saying each of us naturally were filled with this puffed up sense of pride. We're not satisfied with who we are just the way we are. But we want to be more. And you know, Christians throughout history, they've been talking about this. It's because our hearts are so empty. It was uh, Augustine, St. Augustine, who said, you've, he was praying to God, Lord, you've made us for yourself, and our hearts are never at rest until we rest in you. Wasn't it Pascal who said, you know, in our hearts there's a God-shaped hole, and nothing else can fill that except God. All right, think about God's God's pretty big, right? He's, he's infinite. That's, that's pretty big. Okay, so a God-shaped hole... You know, all these small things that we, we try to find our identity in, right? like how good you look, how thin you are, how smart, intelligent, how attractive, how successful, the kind of job you have, your performance, how well you minister as a, as a staff maybe, or how well, what are all these things, right? We try to fill our hearts with these, but it kind of just rattle around, rattles around inside our hearts because it doesn't fill that God-shaped hole. Right? Only God can fill that. But we try to find our identity in all these other things besides God and who we are in Christ, in God. See, we have a problem with pride because we have a problem with our identity. Right? If you knew your identity, you wouldn't, have a problem with your pride. You wouldn't be getting hurt all the time. Someone would snub you, and you would say, that's okay. I deserve to be snubbed because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm nothing except what God has made me. Right? You're not, you're not taking it all sensitive. You, see, in a tree, a tall tree, if a leaf is really high, every little wind makes that leaf move. Right? It bothers, but the low leaves that are... You know, most winds can't, can't bother that low leaf. It's, it's calm. It's steady. Right? There's a stability because it's humble. But if your pride, every little remark, every little insult, every little snub, somebody ignores you, everything hurts so much. Why? It's not because you feel low about yourself. 
You feel hurt because you think of yourself so high. And if, and if you're measuring up, if you think you look really good, then you feel really good. But if you don't think you look so good, then you feel really bad. But how do you know you're, you're proud? Whether you feel good or bad, you're still proud because you keep thinking about yourself. There's something wrong with it because you want to be so high. All right, you, you guys get it? You guys, you guys tracking, right? And so, um, what was I talking about? Uh, yeah, so, so the pride, right? So we want to be so much more than we are. Wouldn't it be nice, like, you don't have to think about yourself all the time? Wouldn't, wouldn't that be nice if, you know, you don't have to, every time you pass by a mirror, you don't got to, like, look at it, you know, like, check yourself out, right? <laughs> oh, I look so good, or, oh, man, I don't look good today, or, you know. Every time you enter with a group of people, you don't have to think about, how are they receiving me? Does, does this person like me? Does this group like me? What are they thinking of? How are they sizing me up right now? But it's because of that puffed up pride. We're always thinking about ourselves. There's something wrong. There's something wrong with that. That's not the way that God wanted us to be. That's not the way that he created us. Right? And so what happens is we do, we, we busy ourselves so much trying to find our identity and everything else to make ourselves feel better so that we can measure up in the eyes of other people, in the eyes of God, whoever. Right? We work so hard. So it depends. You know, we find identity in different things. For example, for me, one thing I, you know, I'm always praying about and working through. I find my identity in is my preaching. Okay? So this is a real message for me that I've been, you know. So, you know what I mean? So if I do a good job in preaching, right, one time, and like, you know, people are like, oh, Pastor Paul, that was good. Right? I'm like, I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, I feel good. Right? And then if I feel like I didn't do so well. I start to, you know, feel all down. It takes me like a couple days to recover. Why? Because I'm so proud. I want to be so high. You know what I mean? I can't just rest in who I am in God, in Christ. I'm getting my identity from my preaching. From my performance as a minister, right? Do, do people like me as a pastor? These are things that come, you know, I'm not always thinking about it, but I, I, I think about it, you know, occasionally from time to time. Uh, actually, maybe frequently, right? And I'm just like, Lord, you know, this pride, right? Help me to be, like, invisible, you know, not think about myself, because that's what God wants him to be. You know, but I'm thinking about myself all the time. This is what we do, right? Try to find your identity. If you think about your looks a lot, maybe you're finding your identity in your looks, whether people notice you, right? Or think a certain way, you Oh, really attractive, that person. You know what I mean? Anyway, so we all find our identity in different things. And, and, you know, it's hard. It's hard because to live in this world, and not only in America, but Korea, and I know all you guys are from different places, right? But there's so much pressure. There's so much pressure to find your identity, not in God, but in your figure. It, man, it's so hard. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a guy, so I don't, I don't really struggle with this as much, right? 
But I, I do even a little bit, right? But man, you know, just, just for girls especially, right? Man, that pressure from the culture, from the media, is just, it's just overwhelming, man. You know, and it tells you how you got to feel about yourself. That's where you got to find your identity. And the culture is doing this in so many ways. It could be your level of success with your job. Okay, uh, you, guys, you guys are in college, in your studies, right? Or maybe it might be how disciplined you are and how focused you are. And you look down. See, we're always comparing ourselves. See, pride is not just pride by yourself. It's pride over against another. That's what he says in verse 6. Right? Because you don't take pride in being successful just on your own. You take pride that you're better than the person next to you. You know what I mean? So that's why when someone who comes, comes along who's better than you at your thing that you get your identity from, you start to feel what? Threatened. Oh, man. You know, who is this person, right? And you, like, put your guards up, right? Uh, if you find your identity and you look, this person's really good looking, right? You're just like, oh, man. You know, like, I, I don't like this guy. I don't like this girl, right? You find your identity in ministry, right? This person's really gifted. You start to feel threatened, you know, like you don't feel threatened about things that you don't, you don't find your identity in. But what are you finding your identity? Then people who are better than you, you feel threatened. People are worse than you. You feel good. You compare, constant comparing. I'm growing more spiritually than 80% of these people at KU, right? You guys don't think that, but you know, you, you're comparing yourself. And, and we do this. We do this with so many things in life. We're constantly boasting, constantly comparing. And this is an insight that, that C.S. Lewis, right, he talks about. It's like, you know, you just, you can't enjoy the thing in and of itself. You can't enjoy the work you're doing, the studies you're doing, the ministry you're doing, just for itself, because it has to be compared to someone else. And the illustration he uses is a little interesting. I don't, I don't have a quote, but he talks about... Um, you know, when a lover has sex with his lover or her lover, right? He can just enjoy her, but some people do it out of pride. Yeah, I can do it with this person, that person, right? And they, and they do it out of competition. Okay, that's, you know, that's, that's the illustration he used, okay? But it, it's with all different areas of life, right? You, sometimes you just do it because just to be better than other people. You're not actually enjoying it for what it is. It's because we have this need to be puffed up, right? Our egos, our pride is just so swollen, just so expanded, way beyond so much more than the size that it should be, that everything is just all about, this is all the time, every single day, you know, all throughout the day, right? And so this is what, this is what Paul is showing us. And, man, it's painful, right? Like, our pride, it's, it's pretty fragile, you know? Like, you know, just the littlest things. That's how you know you're really proud, right? Because you're just getting insulted all the time, you know? Man, that person just offended me, right? I can't, it's like the littlest things. And so we, we have this problem, you know, that's not the way that God made us. I don't think Adam and Eve, before they sinned, were in the garden. Think about like, oh man, look at my hips. 
right? I don't like God. I don't like the way you made my hips, Lord. You know, my my jaw structure, right? They're not thinking about this. They said they're naked and they're unashamed. Okay, they don't. They're they're completely comfortable with themselves just the way they are. That's the way God made us. But sin enters the picture. All of a sudden, comparing, boasting, division, conflict. Why? Because we are stricken with sin, each and every one of us. We're born with this need to get our identity, to find our pride in what we do or how we look. All these other things that has nothing to do with God and who he says we are. And so what we want to do is we don't want to we don't want to live for our identity. We don't want to work for our identity, but we want to live out of our identity. So Christianity is not about what you do determines who you are. Christianity is the only religion that says who you are determines what you do. You start with who you are. You don't start with what you do. Every other philosophy, belief system, religion, every other thinking out there is about what you do. Right? Okay? Muslims, Buddhists, whatever you are, you got to work really hard. And if you don't believe in God, then you just get your identity from what you do. Right? Or like your skills or your talents or your abilities. But Christianity... Is the only religion, it's the only life where you first have your identity before you do anything. Even before you obey God even once. Right? That's the gospel. The gospel says you are loved, you are accepted, and now obey me. Now, Live for God. It doesn't say, live for God first. Do really well, and then I will love you. No, it says, here's your identity. You are loved. With you, I am well pleased. And then you live out of that with joy. You know? And you don't have to worry about what everyone's thinking. See, Paul here, right? So I'm going to use some uh, American pop culture references. Uh, I'm going to date myself because, you know, I, my pop culture is like from like 10 years ago, right? But hopefully you guys will understand. Okay, so first Paul, right? He's like, with me, it is a very small thing. Verse 3. It's a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. What's he saying there? He's saying, I don't care what you think of me. You could think of me high. You could think of me low. I don't really care. It doesn't matter. This is like Christina Aguilera, right? Do you guys know her, right? She had this song back in the day, right? You are beautiful, no matter what they... Oh, man, I can't sing, right? No matter what they say, right? (laughs) You know, it doesn't matter what anyone says. You are beautiful. I don't care what others think, right? So, you know, that's a step up, okay? That's a step up from being ruled by what other people think and how you look and how you perform in their eyes. That's more like Eminem, right? What Eminem song? I am whatever you say I am. If, all right? 
it's a bad song, but you know, it, it works in the sermon, right? So, you know, you know, like even, even celebrities, you see them, they, they, they just have so much insecurity, right? LeBron James. Okay. You guys know LeBron, right? This guy is so insecure. I like him. I like LeBron, right? You know, to back-to-back championship, I respect his skill, his talent. He's good. But when he left his old team, the Cavaliers, to go to the Heat, he, he made some dumb moves, right? The decision. It's like so dumb, okay? This guy is so full of himself, and then all of a sudden, the whole world hates him. They're cutting him down, right? Yeah, yeah, so many issues with his identity. Because everybody loved him before. And then within like a day, the whole world hates him. Imagine that. The whole world loves you, and then a day later, the whole world hates you. Right? They're criticizing you, talking about you all the time, cutting you down. LeBron really struggled with that, you know. You know this, is not, this is not a sermon about LeBron, but you know, like he came out with a commercial, and you know it was a Nike commercial, and he was like, "What should I do?" He's like all like emo, like on this chair, looking down like this. What should I do? You know, it's like showing him on the basketball court, like dunking, like as a high schooler, you know, and like all this stuff. This is before he won the championships, right? And everybody's criticizing him. He's like, should I, should I be this? Do you guys want me to be that? What about this? Should I, you know, like all this stuff. And he's just wrestling with his identity, you know, just like, just feeling so low. And at the end, he's like, should I be who you want me to be? What should I do? And it was like all like emo and dramatic and stuff. And, and like other people made fun of him, right? I think Michael Jordan like made another commercial which totally dissed that whole commercial, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? But there's a little, a little, even, even celebrities, you know what I mean? No matter who you are, this is a natural human condition. LeBron was living for the acceptance of people. And when he doesn't have it, he's dying inside. It hurts so bad. I'm sure it hurt a lot. But now, like, a lot of people like him again because he won two championships with the Heat, right? If you notice, PC talks a lot about football. I talk about basketball, you know what I mean? But, you know, I'll stop talking about basketball, right? Because, uh, yeah, anyways, um, <clears throat> so LeBron James, right? You know, even, even celebrities, you know, music artists, right? They, they, they live. If, if you stop performing, you know, you might have one good album. The next one's not so good. Right? It's just up and down, up and down. You might be really talented, sports, performance, arts, whatever. Right? But it doesn't last. I might preach a good sermon, but I got to do it again. And again. And again. And if I don't do it well anymore, it's like I feel down. It's like, what's wrong with us? Man, just, we, got, we got problems. We're just, we're just so puffed up. See, that's, that's our pride. And we, we need to do something about this. And how do you grow? This is the process of growing in humility, in maturity. Right? And humility doesn't mean thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself just the way you are. Right? So if you're like, if you're like really, really good at basketball... Yeah, humility is not saying, oh, man, I'm like one of the worst players ever. You know, it's like, uh, no, you're not. That's like false humility, right? You know, what am I, you know? So, you know, it's just, right? Humility is 
knowing who you are in God, but also everything that you are is a gift from God. So knowing just the size you are, just, the, just who you are, and resting in that and being content in that. Okay? It's trusting who God has made you to be. Right? And so, you know, if you're good at business, if you have skills, right, and, you know, that helps you increase and do really well in your career, humility says, but that's all from God. Anything that I have is from the Lord. Paul, verse 7, he says, what do you have that you did not receive? If then you have received it, why do you boast as if you didn't receive it? All your abilities, all your talents, all your accomplishments, every opportunity that you get is a gift from God. And humility says, I'm good, but it's all from the Lord. It's not me. Apostle Paul, I'm the least of the apostles, unworthy to be an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. He knows who he is. He's an apostle. If Apostle Paul goes around and he's like all like, oh, you know, I'm an apostle, but I'm like, I'm like really nothing. And I, I'm not able to preach and I'm not able to do anything to help you. No, man, you're an apostle. God made you to be an apostle, be an apostle. But know that it's by the grace of God you are what you are. Right? If Jesus, you don't see Jesus like being all depressed, you know, going around like, oh, you know, I'm just, I'm just a son of man. You know, like, I don't really have, you know, confidence in my abilities, right? It's like, well, you're the son of God. You know, so go heal people. Yeah, I'm sorry, you know, Jesus, right? But you know, you, know, you get what I'm saying, right? Just know who you are as your identity by the grace of God, that's what you are. Okay? And you don't think of yourself more highly that you, than you ought to think. But even though you know what you are, you always take the lowest place until God brings you up. Right? That's the way that God's kingdom works. Okay? That's the way that promotion works in the kingdom of God. And so it's knowing that everything you have is from the Lord. But it's also knowing that Let's, let's turn to verse 3. First, Paul says, With me, it's a small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. So he doesn't care what other people think. But after that, he says, In fact, I do not even judge myself. For I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. So it's not even what you think about yourself. Right? Eminem was wrong. Christina Aguilera was wrong. Tupac got it right. right? Tupac Shakur. You guys know who that is? Uh, he died in the night, right? Only God can judge. Okay, I can't sing, but only God can judge me now. You guys know that song? Maybe. A couple of you guys. Right? He has a song, Only God Can Judge Me Now. I don't think he was a Christian. He probably like murdered a lot of people and you know, did a lot of bad stuff, right? But in his song, we see some truth. It doesn't matter what other people think doesn't even matter what I think. It only matters what God thinks. Who I am in the eyes of God. God is the only one who gives that final judgment. He says, I am not thereby acquitted because of what I think about myself. That word acquitted, that's a legal word. Like in a courtroom, 
there's a verdict that's stamped upon you. Okay? It's declared over you. Whether you are innocent, that's a verdict. Whether you're guilty, that's a verdict. Right? It doesn't matter what you do. It's just a verdict that's declared over you. And you see, if we don't live for God's verdict, but we live for other people, or we live for ourselves, every day is just up and down. You know, up and down. Feeling good, feeling bad. I'm doing well, I feel good. I'm doing bad, bad, I feel bad. Superior, inferior. Some of us are more superior because we think really high on ourselves, right? Some of us are like, think more inferior. We're really low on ourselves. But both of that is pride. Both of that is being puffed up. And you see, it doesn't just work to say, hey, just feel really good about yourself. Don't worry about what other people say. Just know that, you know, you're, you're, you're a really good person, right? And just feel that way. Encourage yourself. See, it's not enough to, to think about it for yourself. You have to hear it from the ultimate judge who gives the ultimate verdict of your ultimate identity and who you are. If you base it even on yourself and on your own thinking, it's not stable. You can't build your identity on those flimsy things. Right, you got to look to the Lord. You see, all the mature, what? How can you tell a person is mature and they're humble? Right? A humble person doesn't go up and down. You know what I mean? Emotionally, right? They, they're, they're stable. They're strong. Okay, no matter what people are saying about them, whether it's criticism, advice, whatever, praise, even praise, it reveals your pride. Proverbs 27 says, The furnace is for gold, the crucible for silver, and a man is tested by his praise. When people praise you, do you keep playing that over and over? Make yourself feel better? Oh, that person... He thought I was cute today, right? You think about that for like a week, right? I, I'm just saying, maybe, right? I don't know, right? But, you know, even praise, it reveals. Criticism reveals. How do you, how do you receive these things? You know, the humble person can be criticized and be like, you know what? There's a lot of truth to what that person said. Thank you. Well, even if they said it in a mean spirit, so humble, right, that you just, you just receive it. See, proud people, they can't take criticism. Why? One kind of pride is like, people are criticizing you, and there's truth, but you think so high of yourself, you're like, man, that ain't true. You know, I'm, I'm like really good. I'm all that, right? I don't care what that person said, but actually you are. So because of your pride, you can't hear it, right? But another kind of pride is like they start criticizing you and you become devastated. Oh, and it brings you so down. Why? Because your pride, same thing again. Right? So proud people, they can't, they can't take criticism. They can't take advice. Hey, I think you should do it this way or consider this perspective. Right? I think you haven't really, you know, like, why don't we try this? And you're like, no, my way is the best way. Right? You can't take advice. It's like, hey, you know, you're, you're, you know, your character, I think, um, you, you need to look, grow a little bit in this area. It's like, man, what do you know, man? I'm more mature than you. I, you know, so your pride, you can't receive it. 
Or maybe on the, on the other hand, you're, you know, you, it brings you down, right? And you're just dwelling on it, okay? Because I'm so weak in this area or that. But the humble person, see, I'm learning this in marriage. Right? If you want to be humble, okay, get married. Right? It will humble you, right? I thought I was a good Christian, and then I got married, right? And I was like, oh, man. See, I got married. And what happens is marriage, right, is you think you're a good Christian when you get married, and then in marriage, you start having these conflicts and tension, and what you think is, that person needs to work on their character. That person needs to work on their spiritual life, right? That person needs to... And you, you look at the other person, right? You look at your wife. But then in the meantime, the wife is thinking, my husband needs to work on his character, right? So you're both pointing the finger at each other because you don't think there's a problem with yourself. That's what happens. First few months, maybe first couple years, it depends, different, different for different couples. And then over time, by God's grace, you start to realize, wait, maybe there is something wrong with me, Right? <laughs> Maybe I'm not as great as I thought I was. Maybe I haven't arrived, you know. Maybe I have things to work on. That's what happens in marriage. Uh, God really did that, so I praise God. You know, it's funny because, you know, I, I, after I graduated college, I did uh, ministry, training for ministry. It was like a four-month training. And I remember one of the overseers of that training, right, uh, like towards the last week or so, all the trainees, there was 11 of us, we sat down, and she gave words to each one of us, like encouragements and, you know, exhortations. And she comes to me, right? And so I'm expecting to get encouraged. And she goes, Paul, you you need to get married soon, right? And I was like, what does that mean? You, you encourage everybody else. What does that mean, right? I don't understand. And I think, I didn't ask her what that meant, but I think, what it meant was, she was being nice, like, I got these areas in my life that I need to really grow in, and I need to get married and hurry up and grow in those areas. And so I praise God for marriage. It's, it's great. I love being married. Right? It's so, so much grace, so much blessing, but it makes you humble. Or if not, you're just going to keep having problems, you know, and it teaches you how to listen, how to listen to criticism, point, she points something out in me, hypothetically, right, the wife points out something in the husband, you, you respond like, you don't have to get defensive, you know, your, maybe your staff, your small group leader, your friend points out something, you don't get defensive, you're like the low leaf, and you say, yeah, there's a lot of truth in what you said, let me, let me pray about that, let me work on that. You can listen. That's what that's what that humility does. And you're not so unstable. You're not affected so easily, so quickly, right? Okay. And this is what all the great Christians, this is how they grow. And this is how you should aspire to grow. Humility gives you strength. There's a strength and humility, a peace, a stability that it brings. Look at the Apostle Paul. He doesn't care what others think. He doesn't care even what he thinks. He's so humble. 
Right? But he's not talking about, oh, look how humble I am. You know, he's not bragging about his humility. You know what I mean? But he, ha- he doesn't even think about himself. Right? Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. You don't even think about yourself. Someone criticizes you, oh, thank you. Done, that's it. It's like someone insults you, snubs you. Just, just move on. You know, you don't get hurt. Right? You just overlook it. So much easier to get along as well. But so much there's a there's a strength in humility, right? You see, Peter was so proud, wasn't he? Apostle Peter. Jesus is like, God's gonna strike the shepherd, and the sheep are gonna be scattered. All this stuff, and Peter's like, I will never deny you, Lord. And Jesus is like, Oh, just slow down buddy, right? You're going to deny me three times tonight. Right? And Peter's like, even if I have to die, he denies him. Not once, not twice, three times. He was really proud before. God had to humble him. And then Jesus restores him gently. Right? He goes to him. Peter denied him three times. Jesus goes to him three times. Simon, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Basically, he's saying, you failed. You failed. <laughs> and you failed. Now feed my sheep. Now lead my people. Because now you know how to be more humble, how to be more tender with people's shortcomings, their mistakes, their weaknesses. Right? God wants his leaders to be humble. Okay? And this is what he does in every character's life in the Bible. He just goes through a process. He just humbles them. Man, I thought I was spiritually Superman. Right? I thought nothing's going to stop me. Okay? And then God just started breaking me down. Breaking me down. Taking away every support. Everything that I was taking pride in. Everything that I was standing. He just started pulling it out beneath me. And I was just like, just just holding on to God by thread for so long. I was just crying out to God, Lord, what is this? I'm trying to do your work. I'm your servant. I'm obeying you. And this is like afflictions. Man, that verse we read, deep cries out to deep. All your waves and your breakers came over me. That's just how I felt. Man, all the waves of God just, just drowning. It's barely holding on to God. What, what was God doing there? He's humbling me. Right? Teaching me, it's not about you, but it's about me. And God brings us through those times. He, he wants to humble each and every one of us. So when you go through those times, because you are, if God wants to use you, he's going to break you. But get ready. Because God's shaping you, right? Did it? He did it with Peter. He did it with me. He did it with Paul. Right? And through those times, He's teaching you: man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God, depending on God and His Word. That's the only thing that's going to sustain you. You die to yourself. He brings you to the end of yourself, so that He can live. Inside you. It's amazing, right? What God does. Man, I gotta wrap this up. I talk a lot, but 
So how do we get our identity from God? How do we get our identity, right? We live every day like we're on trial. Every single eye that we see, every set of eyes, every person, they're putting a verdict on us. You're fat. You're ugly. You're fat and ugly. You know, he's just like putting all this stuff, right? Every single person is putting a verdict. And that's how we get our own verdict about ourselves. Okay, the world brings its judgment. But what is the verdict, the ultimate verdict of the only one who really matters? What is the verdict that God gives over each of us? Every day, we're living in a courtroom, listening to all the verdicts. But Jesus, he also received the verdict. His verdict should have been, this is my beloved son. With him, I am well pleased. But on the cross, the verdict was guilty, condemned to suffer infinite wrath. Jesus took our verdict so that we can take his his verdict. When God says, this is my son, my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. That's, That's what he says over us. Through Jesus. If you're a Christian, your identity, before you do anything, no matter what you do, how well you perform, how well you're doing in life. This is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter. With him, with her, I'm well pleased. She's accepted. She is loved. Perfectly. Because of Jesus. That's amazing. That'll change you. If you live out of that identity, that's going to transform you. You're not going to be up and down all the time. You're not going to feel so hurt all the time. You're not going to play those videos of what that person said or did over and over again. You're just secure. You don't even think about yourself. I'm, I'm loved by God. That's it. You go out into a group of people, meeting new people, whatever. Whether they think, whether they like you or not, it's okay. I'm loved by God. He loves me. He knit me together in the womb. He knows the number of hairs on my head. And the love with which he loves Jesus, that infinite love, that everlasting love, that's how he loves me. He loved me before the foundations of the world. He had a plan. He knew me. From eternity past, he had a plan. He saw me, and he loved me. And he created me, and he loved me. And when he sent Jesus, he had us in mind. And when Jesus lived that humble life on earth, and when he died on the cross, he was thinking of us. That's pretty amazing. You can start living out of your true identity in Christ. Instead of living for your identity, trying so hard. Right? And so, this humility, 
this identity. Where's your identity? Whatever you're finding your identity in, you're a slave to it. It owns you. It whips you around. But the only identity that can truly establish us, build us up, is our identity in Christ. So grow in that. New Philly is all about identity. Know who you are in God. Hey, you're a sinner, so you can receive criticism. Hey, like, I'm not special because what I do, because I'm so righteous in what I do. No, you're a sinner, so you're humble, but you're also infinitely loved. So you're, you're confident. There's a humble boldness. That's a term that I heard this preacher use. I love it. Humble boldness. How do those things come together? In Christ. And you live out of that. And then, you know what? People are going to like you more. You're going to be easier to get along with. Right? Not so, you know, just, and you're going to be able to bear more fruit into your life. The zeal, the fire that you have, it's going to have greater influence. Of course, you're not living for your influence though. You're living out of your identity. Amen? Okay. All right, let's pray.